Welcome to The Emma Gunn Show. Life's defining moments don't always feel that great when they're happening. In the moment, they can feel challenging, uncomfortable, difficult, impossible even. But with hindsight, they can take on a different shape. With the benefit of that 2020 perspective, we can begin to see how the most difficult times were a life lesson we didn't know we needed to learn. Each week, I ask my guests to share their biggest life learnings to date as we explore those difficult, swampy, infuriating times and how they shaped them, all from a comfortable distance that's afforded them the time to take the positive out of what might have seemed nothing but negative at the time. Because whether it's obstacles, challenges, risks, excuses, opportunities, successes, failures, or curveballs, they are the reason they are the person they are today, the person sitting in front of me on this episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Back in the early days when I realized a little bit of risk actually got me closer to where I wanted to go and I realized it was it was essential to grow that I was able to have a, a really positive relationship with risk and I, and I, I had this strong feeling inside me it was like you got to jump now is a now is a make it work scenario and most of my money was still coming from that one-to-one personal training I'd sold a, a few crock fit programs Um, But I thought something special is happening here. Let's go for it. I I started to realize this after achieving a few things that I thought were my peak, my thing that I would absolutely love to achieve and getting that feeling that you just described of it not lasting very long. I started to realize that um, you've, you've got to keep creating the next goal. My guest today is Alex Crockford, the fitness coach, model, actor, athlete, and founder of Crockfit, who has amassed nearly half a million followers on Instagram and over a quarter of a million subscribers on YouTube because of his easy-to-follow, results-driven fitness content. Alex was born in Surrey and as a child participated in the family trade of acting, but discovered his real passion for fitness in his teens. He's previously said that he is drawn to health and fitness because it never ends and because you're always working towards something. It teaches you a goal-driven mindset and it teaches you that nothing comes easy. There is no magic pill. Alex is often held up as the example of what fitness looks like. And while there's no denying the peak physical condition he's in, he's a huge advocate of deconstructing what it takes and making fitness and health goals accessible for anyone, whatever their starting point may be. For a lot of us, pursuing health goals is something for which there's a lot of friction, time, energy, money, time, willpower, and maybe some time again. And perhaps what Alex is so good at is showing how to make that journey as smooth as possible to remove all that friction. In our conversation, he's going to share his biggest risks, the obstacles he's had to overcome, as well as the excuses he's made for himself, even though he tries his best not to. I'm delighted to be having this conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Wow. Thank you very much. Very uh, in-depth, interesting intro. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to speak to you, actually, because I think what really struck me about that when I was pulling it together, as well as this idea that you kind of have the fitness model side of things, what it must be like to sort of be held up as an example of what, hey, this is what fitness looks like when you know what goes on behind the scenes and whether that was actually one of the reasons why you had started to produce the kind of content that you produce. Yeah, I think the world is full these days in the last few years of what an image of fitness can look like and looking around I could see that not everybody was really either telling the truth or or sharing any of the reality of it whatsoever so it was really important for me to really share the truth about being fit and not just a healthy body but the journey of it and a healthy mind and and 
what it takes to gain that sustainability <clears throat> for for your life, which is what people really want. They don't, I mean, a lot of people do want to get in good shape for a holiday or for a short-term thing, but really want to look and feel good forever. So that is always my um, my point for the, the content I create or the, the plans I create or something like that is for how to really truly help people. And I think that really comes across and I think there's a really big shift. It was interesting. We saw each other, well, I saw you actually, because you were speaking at an event recently. And it was really interesting the way people were talking about fitness and how essentially if you want people to engage with your fitness content, you almost have to promise them that you are going to give them the you know, abs in abs in one week or lose a certain amount of weight in seven or 10 days. Yeah. But that's just kind of the bait. And then once they're in, you're like, yes. okay, well, so the reality is this. So that it's was kind one of, of the key conversations we had was like, sell them what they want and give them what they need. And that's a, always a great way. And especially in the world of, of thumbnails and titles and, and things like that. And if you are able to not lure people in, but uh, be, be an attraction of some form, whether it's, um, in, in text or image or, or something that enables them to stay around a bit longer to actually give them what they need, then that's a, a great way to do it. But I said in that introduction, it was one of the things when I was doing my research, I was like, I know I'm going to like this guy. When you said there is no magic pill and longtime listeners will know that I've had my own journey. And for years, I desperately wanted there to be a quick fix. I desperately wanted there to be some sort of magic bullet that would require short-term sustained effort but then I could take the brakes off and live my life and still still enjoy all those rewards and actually the biggest mental shift I made was it's imperfect action every day yeah that's it it's that consistency and I'm <clears throat> talking about this all the time because it's very easy to bounce from the mindset of being perfect for a period of time because this is what I think this is what people tell me I need to be. This is what I think I need to be is perfect diet, perfect training, perfect lifestyle. But that inevitably leads to failing, falling off and going back to old habits rather than what you just said is that imperfect consistency moving in the right direction is really what builds the healthy lifestyle in the long run. It absolutely is. And Baxter agrees. Listeners, Baxter yeah. is Alex's cat. Baxter likes to meow. He's having a moment. If you hear him, yeah. that's fine. He's very welcome on the podcast. Gonna, he's, um, <laughs> he's being very noisy. I'm going to kick him into the other room. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okie doke. <laughs> so the uh, place where I always begin with my guests is to ask them about risk. So before I get ahead of myself and ask you about your biggest risk, I'm actually going to ask you a broader question, which is, What's your relationship like with risk? Um, I think it's been a, a learning and evolving relationship. Back in the early days when I realized a little bit of risk actually got me closer to where I wanted to go. And I realized it was, it was essential to grow, that I was able to have a, a really positive relationship with risk. And I would, I would manage my risk-taking with, uh, from, a, from a safe point of view, <laughs> thinking, what is, my, what is my fullback? How big is this risk? Uh, where does it take me? And throughout my career, I've seen the patterns and, um, and circumstances just come back around in a, in a different way. And then it's made me think, oh, well, last time I had this similar situation, I took this little risk and it enabled me to move forwards like this. Um, and 
so yeah, it's it's been a, a continuous taking risks journey, but nothing has felt enormous like <laughs> life or death or like there's no uh, backdrop whatsoever. It's always felt like a small step. And if that fails, I've got this. It's been a transitional period. Scary and difficult at times, but always transitional. Okay, so that takes us into um, your biggest risk. And what I love is, is your answer to begin with was 24 hours of burpees. Uh, before you get into something that I would like to pull apart a little bit more, but in terms of 48, uh, 24 hours, not 48 hours of burpees. Yeah, let's do that next. <laughs> no, don't. You've done 24, you don't need to do 48 unless you do. No. Um, why was that a risk? Just because of potential injury or because of failure? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of Both. the above. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I answered your, your, um, pre podcast questionnaire. Um, but I don't remember all of my answers or uh, <laughs> what order I put the answers in. So thanks for helping. <laughs> I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll help you through. <laughs> thank you. The, um, the 24 hours of burpee was a risk because, that was one of those things where you you book, you plan, you talk about it. I already have a, a social media platform. So I was like talking about what I was going to do. And that makes you so accountable to, to doing it. And also you can't hide away. You can't give up halfway through because you've only got your, yourself to be accountable for. Like so many of, like I, I do these big things so I can relate it sometimes to the individual journey as well and why have being accountable on your fitness journey is useful because it's very easy to let yourself down sometimes but not easy to let everybody else around you down when you've told told them about it so mm. one one of the risks was was that um i'd just thrown it out there not knowing if i could be ready i was saying that i'm going to go for a guinness world record attempt as well which is another level of it i didn't get it <laughs> because that's just a crazy number, but it played a lot in the mentality of what was happening in the 24 hours of it, um, which came with a lot of lessons and growth. Um, and then, yeah, physically speaking, the, the demand of, of injury and, and um, really committing to, to one thing. But the, the, the risk other than burpees was about leaving your PT job to build an online business. And the reason it's the risk that you mentioned is because that was before you had any data to show that this would be successful. Uh, and you also mentioned investing all your money to build an app and all of the other things. So talk to me about that, because it seems like there's a hell of a lot there, not least like what was it about leaving your PT job that made you think, actually, I think this is worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. There were two major moments is, is leaving the, the gym to be full-time online and then the second phase of that a couple of years later was to invest all the money in developing the app. But the initial stages was as a personal trainer, I was in a, um, in a gym, in a, like a corporate style gym. So it was generally safe. I was doing well. I, I worked my way to the top. And as soon as I got there from university, I was very motivated and quite successful to work my way up to the top. And I loved personal training and being with people one-to-one, -one, but whilst I reached that top limit of hours available, I was already starting to feel the, um, I guess, frustration or the roof over my um, head and wanting to break free of what else I could achieve 
and really getting in touch with what my purpose and passion was. And that was to, to reach and help as many people as possible. And I knew that personal training wasn't um, the way to do that, or at least not exclusively. And so over a period of time, this idea evolved. And back then online training wasn't as, as, uh, as um, common as it is now. This is way before pandemic times and, and things mm. like that. I'd started social media, Facebook and Instagram and gained a few thousand followers, which was significantly more than like my my PT friend and stuff, but still like a small amount generally. Um, and I thought, well, as I'm fitness modeling as well, because that was my first idea is like, I really want to be that guy on the on the on the front of magazines. How do I be that guy? So I was motivated to start to find agencies and get photo shoots done and, and things like that. And whilst I was personal training, um, I managed to be quite success successful in this. And I had a um, couple of sponsors and I got my first magazine cover. And I thought this is a, first of all, that was like a peak moment for me as a teenage boy. And as a child, I saw that as like the impossible best thing that I could ever achieve. Um, so it was a great moment but we'll, maybe we can get to um, hitting your goals and then realizing there's lots more to achieve. Um, so that, that success feeling didn't last very long, um, which is an interesting mindset. But um, from that moment, I thought, well, a lot of people who are following me, the small amount are asking, how do you achieve a body like this? What is your nutrition? And, and how do you go about your lifestyle and things like this? So I thought I'd create a very um basic program document and thought I could sell this and and help people so I whilst I was personal training I was working um in all the gaps as a personal trainer you work if you're if you're bad at routine and schedule like me then you work all the bad hours and there's gaps all over the place that was me in those days it was like 5 a.m 6 a.m and 7 a.m and then four hour gap and then three more and in those gaps I was in the cafe writing this program out and i remember my pt friend saying what are you doing like why are you wasting your time doing all this kind of thing and and i knew that i was working on something bigger that was um gonna gonna take me further and it got to a point where i was ready to sell that i thought i think i had like ten thousand instagram followers actually and um i thought well one percent buy this and there we go i've made a lot of money here <laughs> it doesn't happen like that However, um, I really, I put it out there and I went for it. And I remember being on my, um, a holiday and it was the first time that I made a, a sale and I sent somebody this program and it was like a realization moment for me. It's like, I'm on holiday. I'm not at work because the only way I earned money and helped people was either one-to-one one face-to-face or in groups or even as a fitness model, I still had to be there. So this was a new way and it sparked an entrepreneurial thing inside of me. And I thought this is, I've got to, got to go for this. I mean, I was a complete novice in business and I had a lot to learn, no automations. I was trying to send this large file to this person on the internet, which I was like, I can't find the internet. So no automations, no like complete beginner um, but that's where it began because um, I wasn't waiting for the perfect moment or the perfect opportunity I was just going out there launching things and uh, marketing it and that's always been my 
um, strength, I think, is is relentless marketing and rele- relentless uh, <laughs> pers- uh, consistency and positivity and 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 being there for people. Um, so it was it was then that I had a small bit of momentum in this side business that my energy and attention in the gym started to decrease thinking well if I do less hours PTing then I could do more hours social media more hours on business because I was when I was full-time PT it was very much a a 1am 2am building a website kind of scenario in bed Um, so I wanted to decrease the PT hours in order to make this happen and um, that created a bit of um, bad relationship with my managers and the people in the gym and things like this because I'd worked my way up to the top tier personal trainer and they've got their goals and their numbers and they're taking more than 50% of the hourly pay because when you're in a corporate gym and they're like, why are you not doing many hours? And said, these are the things I'm doing. Do you want to be a part of it and help me? This is not now. I don't even want to mention the name and give them any attention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so basically it got to a point where um, I, what I wanted to ideally stay there. I said, can I stay here and do PT um, whilst I do this? Just don't stress me out on the numbers and the goals and I'll keep my clients and, and keep going. And ah, um, what a great thing to say at a corporate gym. Ooh, <laughs> don't no. stress me out on the metrics by which you <laughs> measure my success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't go down very well. Um, and then that plus a couple of other interesting things going on I was put put in a corner basically to um to make a decision and I and I I had this strong feeling inside me it's like you got to jump now is a now is a make it work scenario and most of my money was still coming from that one-to-one personal training I'd sold a a few crock fit programs um, but I thought something special is happening here let's go for it Um, and personal training is one of those amazing jobs where you can um, you can you can maintain good relationships and continue um, training some people. So I left the gym and I had a family, a husband and a wife that I continued training. So there was the the safety zone of the risk that I took, knowing personal training. I've got this network. I'm not leaving the area. If I need to pick up personal training, I can make it happen. But in the meantime. I'm going to try my best to make this work. And that was the the start of, of uh, really going for it with the online business. There's a couple of things I'd love to unpick there. The first one actually is this idea of setting a goal, reaching it, and then getting there. And that satisfaction is quite effervescent in that it evaporates quite quickly. It's a lovely feeling, but it's quite short-lived to set yourself a goal and achieve it. And then you are sort of left standing there going, well, now what? And weirdly, it's like going down the snake on a snake and ladders. It's, so it feels like a quite quick, aggressive bump back down to earth of like, well, now what do I do? And it, it can really knock your sense of identity, I think. Yeah, I, I started to realize this after achieving a few things that I thought were my peak, my thing that I would absolutely love to achieve and getting that feeling that you just described of it not lasting very long. I started to realize that um, you've you've got to keep creating the next goals. But I went through a few years of of um, maybe not the best relationship with that, thinking that 
I'm only happy when I achieve and get this goal. And after going through the patterns enough times of achieving the things that I want and realizing that that's just a, a 1% of the journey and you're in the journey for most of the journey, <laughs> you've got to be um, grateful and happy in the day to day. And over years, I've started to um, reflect upon that and realize that it's this fine balance of always having a goal, a focus, an ambition, the next thing you're working towards with the understanding that if you get there, amazing, but remember, you're going to want something else. And just being, having that acceptance whilst also having the gratitude of the, the daily process, the journey you're going through, being happy with the small, simple things in your life um, so that you're never... Um, chasing that high like a drug that it's got to happen. So having this unconditional um, happiness in the now, irrelevant of achieving the goals. And uh, I've gone through a bit of a, a, a spiritual journey in the past few years as well, and that's intertwined with with my life and, and career. Because if you if you go go completely zen and have no attachments, then you end up maybe not going after anything. So I feel like in this modern world and um, the the life of ambitious people it's this fine balance of chasing your dreams being being positive and uh being inspirational but um being happy in the process mm. and that that is the work i think because i think we can get so attached to goals that it becomes all-encompassing it's a thing that will validate us and the thing is as well as you just alluded to you're not enjoying the journey at all and so yeah. that short-lived feeling you get there and you think was it worth all of that <laughs> was it worth that yeah i know it's funny it's it's crazy that um that you can imagine something for years and years and, and work towards it and then you get there and it's amazing it's good it's just it's um it if you don't stop to enjoy the view and you're actually really conscious of of actually enjoying it, then the, the feeling can be not as good as as actually thinking about it. I often think about having a cheat meal. And I'm like, when I'm eating all these 5,000 calories, I'm like, was I more interested, before, was I more excited about it than actually doing it? Yes. <laughs> sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's really worth it, but sometimes <laughs> not so much. And I, I thought the same when I was um, on holiday a couple of weeks ago. And we are in Mallorca and we went hiking and, and hiking is a, is a, a great metaphor for it because you're climbing up the hill um, and you get to the top and you have to stop and enjoy the view that you've, that you've achieved walking up. And of course, you've got to, you've got to go through the challenge of climbing, climbing the steep slopes and, and enjoying that process, but you have to stop and, and appreciate what you've achieved. Um, and, and I always relate career and life and ambition with fitness as well because um uh, they they really they really mirror each other a lot and when you describe this kind of journey to somebody on their fitness journey and you get them to understand that you have to enjoy the every single day rather than you're dieting this is hard i hate my workouts but i'm working towards that physique i'm, I'm looking for that's never going to be a successful approach. It might be a successful approach one time for, for, for one holiday or, or whatever, but inevitably you're going to revert back to your old habits and gain weight back or, or not be consistent. 
And if you take this approach to your fitness journey, you're able to eat well and healthy, do the uh, the exercises that you like to do and you're excited about doing and you um, you don't feel restricted or your social life is totally non-existent or anything like that. It's this clever work of balancing between everything. Mm. It's made me think about um, my own fitness journey and I'm sure some people listening will will understand this. It's this idea of I for 30 years I would spiral on diets so I mean let's just say I did the same dance with like 40 pounds four times in that time so (laughs) which was exhausting think just think about that like think about how much effort that took and how actually if my approach had been different I'd been able to do it the once life would be a lot easier but I, I distinctly remember what it would be like of like gearing myself up to get in the zone to diet or to exercise or to be motivated to go to the gym every day and sometimes cancelling things to only go to the gym, all of these sort of weird things. And then, as you say, I'd revert back to not doing those things. But what I hadn't pieced together was if I had just changed my motivation, if I changed my why to sound like a, I don't know, an Instagram post, I would have, I would have realized I was actually really enjoying the exercise. Mm. But my view of it was this is the thing I need to do in order to get my weight down and so it became a bit of a weapon <laughs> rather yeah. than now, me now, I jump out of bed to work out because I love his arms day today. And arm, arms day for me is just a really quick, it's like a really quick fix. It's like, I know I'm going to feel good really quickly. I like yeah. it, kiss my biceps, the whole thing. So <laughs> I, there's no friction between me and getting into like getting those dumbbells in my hands. But that narrative is a choice. The action is the same, but your choice about how you're thinking about it is different. And that's 100% your responsibility to be self-aware of how am I framing this behavior? Is it a chore or is it a thing that that I enjoy that I'm looking forward to? And we go through that process, not with fitness, but every aspect of our life. We can change a scenario that feels negative or we can take a moment to look inwards. Like, Why am I framing it like this? Can I change the perspective? Um, and it's the same with, with the challenges and, and the risks and everything else about our life, but fitness for sure. And also the other thing I wanted to ask about in that particular answer that you gave was talking about the the effort that you were putting into CrocFit versus what you were putting in at the gym. And this idea that actually I'm doing this and I'm doing this from holiday and it's not really taking up a huge amount of time or effort or any of these things. And again, it's that reframing of suddenly being in that position of realizing I thought work had to be this, had to be that, had to be quite difficult. And I've just now proved to myself but work can be enjoyable, easy yeah. to do, and all of those things. And I think that fundamentally means that in a weird way, it's very, very difficult to go back to the way things were before. <laughs> it is. It is really weird to go back to old work. And I, I could never see myself going backwards like that. However, I think one of your questions is, what is one weakness that I keep needing to um, to work on? And that is... I think is one of them is that I actually, I attach a lot of my early success and growth to the the hustle mindset and the working hard. And I sometimes think that anything good comes to me, whether it's um, the money, the followers or the opportunities or even the, the fitness is because of the hard work. And some of the work I need to do is releasing that mindset 
um, and making life a bit easier for myself sometimes, <laughs> because that's not always necessarily true. Because um, I, I went from earn, earning money and helping people one to one to then um, an online business, which releases you from that time. But then this guilt and attachment started to rise, feeling like I need to be working the whole time. So I went from PT working in this hour, finish work, go and have dinner, watch TV and go to bed um, to suddenly when is work, <laughs> when isn't work. <laughs> And, uh, and I know a lot of people can resonate that with today's life, whether you're a, a business owner or not, just work, I think, is, is real blurred lines these days. And um, that's one weakness and thing that I'm working on continuously is making sure that I'm giving myself that downtime and that switch off. And uh, it's difficult when you love what you do, but it's also attachment, I feel, to working hard. You've made me think, you're making me think about a lot of things, but you've just made me think about how we sort of have been, I guess, raised or brought up in this um, this way of thinking about work, which is that if you were to go and see, like, see your best mate for a drink on a Friday night after work and they say, how's work, mate? I think we've both probably conditioned that our auto response would be, well, as if we've got some sort of, as if we had the proof of the work that we've put in emotionally, physically, whatever it might be, spiritually, has, has taken such a toll that, oh, oh, mate, you don't know the half of it. But actually, it would be really great to switch that to, oh, my God, you have no idea what I got to do this week. It was so much fun. Whereas yeah. I think we all default to the former. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I've thought about that a lot. And I think something about us has this, whether it's a victim mindset or something or something we need to tell people like how hard I've been working is to like show them our friend or the world that we're, we're working really hard rather than rather than saying it's easy or I got to do this and life's amazing and it is a is a choice to answer in these ways and they're the they're the first ways I think to think about the, the self-awareness because what you say is often what you're thinking um so how are you today yeah not bad or how are you today amazing <laughs> yeah Fake it till you make it, because after a while, it will, it will, it will take effect. It will take root. Uh, I think we could talk about that for ages, but let's move on to your excuse. And it's going to come as no surprise that you you mentioned being busy. We've talked about the way in which your workload has changed, how your hours have changed. But you know what? There's something you said in your answer that I really loved because I thought no one said this before, and I really, really get this. And this is something I've really struggled with and have almost like beaten myself up with, which is you said. Um, that no one's taught me how to do any of this. So how am I supposed to know? And I wanted to ask you about how that's shown up in sort of a sense of failure. And I'm projecting here, but because no one told me how to edit a podcast when I started, nobody told me how to do virtual recordings. I had to kind of figure it out myself. And then I'd maybe go out and have a meeting with someone and they'd say, oh, you just use this, you just use this software or something. And I'd feel like a fool that I hadn't, I didn't know that and hadn't found out for myself and I wasn't the one sharing that information. And I would internalize that and think, oh, they must think I'm a complete failure. They must think I'm an idiot. Like I'm supposed to be this podcast when I don't know that. Is that how it has shown up for you? Yeah, very similar to that. <laughs> and it being an excuse is um, like, I think often I, I would resort to, well, how, how, how do I know how to, build a business i'm just a p i'm just a pt that started to post online kind of thing 
often I would go back to that mindset whenever I feel like maybe I was triggered or I've done something wrong or I don't know how to do something. Um, so I'm being really aware these days of, of um, how it's my responsibility to, although I haven't been to business school and I don't, I don't know how to build a, an app subscription business because I haven't done it for 20 years, like maybe some other experts, I realized that I'm in the position that I'm in. So it's down to me to ask the questions or have the conversations like you did or, or do the research or find the people that know how to do it. And I think over time I've become maybe more either vulnerable or, or humble or releasing the ego to realize that I don't need to do everything or know everything or be the best at everything, even if I'm a business owner or, or leader in my field or, or whatever, is to be open to the fact that that's not my expertise. So I can either research about it or find someone to help me. And this is all a very current thing that's happening in my mind and in my life at the moment, which is maybe why I put it as, as an answer. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you because I I feel and I and I actually to sort of go back to something we were saying earlier, I used to I used to get really tired and and I remember last year saying to somebody, I can't learn how to do another new thing. I I'm so I'm up to the max. Like I've taught myself everything. I can't learn something new. Like leave me alone. And then I'd learn it, and then I'd be like, okay, it was fine. But I kind of almost felt like I got to capacity. And actually, one of the obstacles that you've had to overcome, and definitely something for me, is asking for help when I am at that point, because mm. that's actually a really important part of the journey. Yeah, it's, it's huge. <laughs> so many times I've like mulled over a thing in my own head to try and find out the answer or, or um, even doing my own research and making more confusion happen sometimes rather than actually thinking, who do I know that is more equipped in this topic? <laughs> than me? And often it might not be an immediate answer, but it starts this momentum of, of the universe providing you what you need at the right time via a way that you would never have expected through a friend or a work colleague. It's like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. I, I, now I understand that a lot more or you've got the person that's going to help you out. Um, and I think this co-creation and, and partnership mindset is is what it's all about because um if we all are open to sharing our knowledge and gifts and realizing that i have a lot of things that can help a lot of people and a lot of people have a lot of things that can help me we're continuously just building each other up in a positive way do you ever get that overload of just uh, i've i've learned so many new things I simply cannot like are you the person who just will not buy the new phone or the new. So I feel like that's going to be in my future yeah. is that someday there'll be some kind of new techie thing. And I'll be like, this is where I draw the line. And I will be using an iPhone up until like we've got phone devices in our eyes and stuff. So I just be like, I will not embrace this new thing. I really agree with that. And I've had that <laughs> many times um, from, from technology. Yeah. Because this is the same thing. Like I love making videos and, and, doing fitness and workouts, but, and obviously developing the app. And I thought, I'm not a software developer. I'm not a technician. I don't know cameras. And I'm like learning how to do all these things. It just gets really overwhelming. It's like, how did I get here <laughs> kind of thing? And it's also in the, the world of social media, I have very similar stubborn feelings uh, as to what you're <laughs> describing many times. It's like, um, I, I've learned not to be, but I remember I was, 
re- I was doing really good on Snapchat and I was using Snapchat like um, d- daily daily chats and stories and and it used to disappear in 24 hours and Instagram brought out Instagram stories. I don't know if anyone remembers how many years ago I don't know, I don't know it was, but I was like, what do I do? I was, <laughs> I was just nailing this Snapchat thing and now everyone's watching Instagram stories. Do I do it on both? Do I save and transfer it over? What do I do kind of thing? And that's happened multiple times on social media as their features expand and the, and the platform and there's new platforms. Mm. And then suddenly as there's this new platform, like, do I need to go on here and learn how to use this? And it's a continuous um, battle of, of uh, where, to, where to send and spend your attention really and what's the most beneficial and and to not get overwhelmed by it the annoying answer is you've got to give every single new platform a stab because you'll be the one kicking yourself if it takes off (laughs) and you were like no I don't think it's gonna work yeah exactly because it's the early days where you can gain the most success and if and if you're not jumping on there and doing it then often Mm. late it's very true. Now, when it comes to um, delegating or bringing people on board, um, do you have any good kind of ways of figuring out how to trust people? And I think uh, I can talk from personal experience here in the podcasting space. Nobody really cared about podcasting when I started, which was great. Then a few years ago, a lot of people became producers and I would get a lot of emails most weeks with people saying, we'll edit your podcast and it'll cost this many hundred pounds. And just, it suddenly felt like the space got filled up with people who perhaps said they could do stuff, but it was a bit cowboy. And I then found it very, very difficult to know who was being genuine and who actually had the skills that I might require. Have you found a similar thing, especially in tech and building an app? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to um, pretend I'm an expert in hiring or, or building a team or staff or anything like that because I'm still in generally early days. I, I hired a, a tech company to develop the app from the beginning and I've, and I've stayed with them and I've built good relationships, relationships with them and it's more of an agency than an in-house employment. Um, but when it comes to employing people to be working with me, I find in recent times, because you're right, you just get emails from all over the place and, and everybody's saying uh, another, another thing about who, who they are. Um, yeah, I'm not an expert, but the way I go about it is is uh, fi- fi- learning about them as a human and, and getting on with them and listening to my heart and having a conversation if possible and just getting an intuition about mm. the person and recently, when looking for help in my app business, I have have reached out to the community first, whether followers or app users, because I wanted them to know me and me to potentially know them, for them to have the context of of myself, my brand, and and the app brand, so that that is already there. And it's pro- you're probably going to find more talent more professionalism by using a proper hiring service maybe but um this is the route i'm going down first because i I want to potentially have a relationship someone i I, when when hiring i'm not looking for a a quick fix i'm looking for somebody that is um passionate wants to be part of something big that's growing rather than just get a quick job done and i have had uh people in the past where i've i've gone down that route of needing a quick job done and it's caused more 
work than actually relieving work because you 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 spend either time not truly trusting what they're going to do so then you're micromanaging or you leave them to it and then it's like oh this is really not what yeah. I need and then you have to redo it yourself anyway um unless you're going to be really really good at leading and and training and things like that but that's what i found um yeah <laughs> I want to switch I want to switch gears a little bit although I could talk to you at length about that but let's let's switch gears to your your opportunity because um I asked my guests what's the opportunity you either grabbed with both ha- or both hands or you regret letting pass you by and you said that recently it's the acting opportunities that you have uh, really leaned into even though it scares you and I mentioned in the introduction I think the Crockford family are a family of actors. So you, you've been around it for a really long time, but fitness had all your time and attention and something's made you go back yeah. into it, really. Yeah. Yeah, my family have always been performers, whether it's uh, Amdram or um, or a few family members very, very professionally involved in either singing and dancing or um, involved in some way. It's very much in the in the DNA, in the blood, to be a performer in, in some way. And when I was young... I was up on stage doing, I remember, um, Carousel or even a bit of Shakespeare. I think I was one of the the um, one of the murdered child children in uh, in uh, which the Shakespeare? Richard the Third. Richard the Third. No. Yeah, I, I think I had a, a paragraph in that. So, so yeah, there, there were a few opportunities when I was young, but um, I didn't. I don't remember enjoying it too much. I remember being uh, very nervous very scared and not really I felt like it wasn't the thing that I was excited about too much at the time and at that age I was getting into football and basketball and sports and that was way more fun way more me and um, that was that's where my career took me into college university and then into personal training and always through the um, the early PT and fitness modeling days and things like that there were slight crossovers to videography and stuff like that and there was something within me it was like I would really actually love to be an actor or I'd watch movies I'm always a fan of film and tv thinking that looks a lot of fun I could really do that but it was one of those things that I didn't talk about is a thing that just was a bit um you're embarrassed about or ashamed about so it just stuck in there underneath for underneath the skin for many years until more and more people say, and I think this is like something bigger about self-belief is that when our self-belief is really low, we often need external sources to just like pluck out a couple of things to just build build you up a little bit in order to get the ball rolling. And a couple of close friends would like, you're going to be an actor, you have to be an actor, or you look like an actor, or you really, <laughs> you'd be good at this. And that just started to make me think, yeah, maybe. Um, and years went on, I guess, if when I'm 22, 23, 24, um, years went on and I don't know, Hollywood weren't calling me up. So no swines. <laughs> <laughs> so I was starting to think, damn it, the only way to do this is for me to do it. <laughs> I've got to do it. How about that? Every, every year is passing by and I'm busy. I am building a successful business and focus myself that's taken up every second of my working life how could I possibly add on some another focus into this until I realized that I think it was coming up to 
my um up to my 30th i think i think the number 30 for a lot of people is is like a i, I guess every passing of new decade is a, a cycle of like regrets are forming if you don't do something about something now i think there's mm -hmm. something inside of us i don't know it was for me so around 28 29 i was like i've got to make something like this happen so i i put it out to i think probably on social media i'm looking for an acting coach and um and the right person came along and for many years i just started working on um workshops and one-to-one -one acting and and uh, started to learn how to act and learn how to do it and it was a big big journey of deconditioning my spiritual journey really interconnected with it as well because having social media and being the persona alex crockford was something that i'd strongly built and i'm not saying alex crockford isn't me but it's the thing you practice and am the whole time positive encouraging nice and kind so how can i be evil and nasty and cry and show emotions that aren't those so i had a big like deconditioning process which was actually a life process so anybody that um doesn't want to be an actor but wants to get into these kind of practices are really great for personal growth i'd say for um for healing therapy um and and transcending kind of energy through your body and, and all of these things and and confidence and embodiment my acting coach is actually an embodiment coach as well and we're doing a retreat um of fitness and embodiment um, because it works so well together um anyway so does embodiment I, um, mean sort of, um using your physicality to communicate yeah, yeah exactly Us using your body being in touch with your body being sensitive with the uh with uh, the inspiration that your body creates in in the moment following following pleasure and and movement so that you're able to be more more confident and um communicate better yeah and 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 the list goes on so it's great for anybody that's looking for confidence and communication and self-awareness etc so um i i lived in spain for a year got back one year ago and during that year um we were kind of like in the, the the pinnacle of like training with this actor and I'd started to put my name out there on these on these low level acting um websites and stuff like that and I'd when I got home a year ago I started to apply for um these student roles and low budget roles and and uh, it's just started to happen I got an agent I started to do more jobs but but the point of the question I think and the, and the challenge is how I was a like the the toughest thing is I I know the well-known quote of you chase two rabbits you get none or something like this <laughs> maybe three rabbits I'm not <laughs> sure. and uh and I knew that if I went all in on YouTube or if I went like you were at that uh, that place we went to at Google YouTube the other day and the most successful YouTubers are ones that are posting every day and are there going all in and I know that if I did the same I would have 10 million subscribers by now or, or if I went all in on my fitness career alone then it may be further along the path what it is now and knowing that how can I take three hours off today to learn to act and learn this script knowing that it's not going to bring me any rewards right now in this moment or for many months to come but having I just having this trust and belief 
really in myself to not let this be a waste of time. Like I'm investing money, time and time away from my, my main focus. I can't let this be a failure. So I'm going all in on multiple things at once, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I think the, the hard work and the work ethic and self-belief intertwined with that has led me to a point now where it's starting to um, bring some really exciting results. And um, the it's the delayed gratification, I think, that a lot of people um, struggle with is, is, is uh, what, what is this going to reward me with very quickly? How, how can I know that this is mm -hmm. either going to give me um, uh, a, a job, a business, money, followers quite quickly? It's difficult to do the things now um, that is going to pay off in a year or two mm. years, three years time. And again, fitness journey. The hard things are the things you've got to do every single day that don't show themselves immediately in the mirror. And um, it shows that it's all the same mindset spread across multiple uh, topics. Well, the thing I was about to ask you then was expectations. How do you manage your expectations? Because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's, mm. it's the delayed gratification is about delaying your expectation fundamentally of a result. Yeah, it goes back to um, the happiness of the journey. Again, following joy. Am I having fun right now doing this? I have goals. I would, I would love to be a movie star, action movie star, and I'd love to have a million followers. And I, <laughs> I'm not complaining about these um yeah, I'm not worrying about these goals. I have these goals and I'm not ignoring them. But at the same time, if I have fun right now, um, then I trust that I'm working towards those those goals at some stage. And you also mitigate future regrets, which I think is really nice, because when I asked my guest, do you have any regrets? You just said no. But the thoughts of regrets, the thought of regrets, sorry, in the future makes me take action, massive action right now. It, and it's and it's that that coming coming to thirty years old. I thought if I don't act now, then I'll be forty, and then I'll be fifty, and I'm like, then I'll be on my death. Yeah, the thought of being on my deathbed <laughs> is uh, is sobering, and I think everybody should think about their death and think about their last moments being mm -hmm. here. Because time will go fast, and 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 you can re regret things that you didn't do. And I, I know for well regrets are more about the things you didn't do than you did. If you do things and you fail or you mess up or you embarrass yourself, that's a much smaller regret than never trying. Mm. And I, I think as well, I mean, I will, I will never pass up an opportunity to talk about Pedro Pascal, but he's someone who is having probably one of the most exciting career spikes in acting. And he's 47, I think just turned 48. And, if, and he, but he's been acting for 20 plus years. If that's not proof that, it's about the journey and actually it could pay off dividends down the line then i don't know what is yeah and the the persistency and the belief to keep going even though you know people are going to say oh overnight success yeah. <laughs> came out of nowhere it's like i came out of nowhere from 20 years <laughs> prior or something yeah, like yeah. Um, exactly it's true it's it's consistently showing up and trusting um, I know you already mentioned weaknesses, but you you actually the answer you actually gave was that was a very uh, short one, and your answer was lack mindset dot dot dot, and I would have to ask right, just explain to me what that is and how it shows up for you. Uh, yeah, 
Um, connected to something I mentioned earlier about the the work ethic and hustle and attachment to needing to work really hard to get the success. Um, I I was I was um, thinking about that, but also lack mindset overall of um, of just my my upbringing or where I've come from realizing that everybody has got their own story everybody has got their own conditioning and if I'm if I have these major goals in life that I have then um, there's a certain amount of conditioning or belief that run the subconscious of my thoughts my actions behaviors every day and I'm becoming more and more aware of what they are from from a money perspective a working perspective um so I think that that's one weakness that I think I'm working on and turning into a strength I'd say how have you found turning that from one thing into another because that's quite a big that I mean that is turning the ship around quite literally what tools have you used or implemented to try and make those small changes so that you have a big effect down the line yeah I think it is small changes rather than a a big major one Um, and it is definitely gradual um, just analysis like deep dive analysis of your life and actions continuously from from the the small subtle things like what why am I doing this why why am I doing that or uh and and um just changing experimenting with a new mindset for a while and seeing how that can impact um your life in some ways I don't I don't know a simple example of um um I guess a a money a money example um like really simply is um going for like discounted options at, at at the shop and things like that. look look driving around looking for the most discounted um version of something rather than just being like well I, I want this I'm just gonna get that and there's there's a fear that comes up thinking well have I got enough money to do this but then that that fear that comes up is like well if I was a millionaire then I wouldn't have that fear so then it's like it's, it's a journey, a path of like really extracting how do my thoughts um, create a story for myself here? And can I just have fun and experiment? And you said earlier on about um, fake it till you make it. And sometimes it feels a little bit like that at the beginning. And then if you have fun with it, then you realize, actually, I'm just doing this. I am this now. And then yeah. you've changed the habit. And if you just do that in each different aspect of your life you can um, completely change the wiring of your subconscious I remember not long after I went freelance so I worked on a magazine for 10 years so didn't my income was my income and then I went freelance and obviously that the ebb and flow of freelance income is uh, is a roller coaster ride and I was really struggling financially for a while and I read a book um, by Jen Sincero, uh, you are a badass. And then she followed it up with one about money. And basically one of the tips was, if you are constantly saying, I can't spend this money, I don't have enough money. You're just going to, you're going to make that happen. You're going to, you're going to perpetuate that. So instead of doing that, don't go wild, but 
treat yourself or like invest in something, whether that is like an, a coffee that you think is prohibitively expensive or something like that, just yeah. because that the ripple effect of that small decision will actually be quite big down the line. And it sounds quite cavalier, but actually it's, it's really valuable advice. Yeah, it's huge. I, I'm a believer that the universe doesn't really know the difference between one pound or, or, or one, one million pounds. So if you take that action on the coffee, hey, may, I'm not promising you, okay? But it's, <laughs> it's my understanding that maybe that's the case. Um, so your behaviors on those those coffees, if it, if it feels like, it's all about how you're feeling when you're doing it. If you buy that coffee thing and, oh God, I really shouldn't be spending £3.50 or whatever on this coffee, then no. It's not the right mindset. But if mm. you're buying that coffee, like, of course I can. I've got more than enough to enjoy this coffee and treat myself. Then that is the same energy, the same vibration in the universe as saying, I can buy this 30 grand car. Of course mm. I can. It's the set you're putting out the same frequency that is going to get returned back to you. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes practice. Within Stop. the context of what you have so that you don't get yourself into any financial straits, uh, exactly. dear listeners, we want the best for you. <laughs> Thinking differently, not spending recklessly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess there's probably, and this is, the, again, you wrote quite a short answer to this one. And my note underneath is expand because I wow. asked you to describe your greatest strength. And I think you just kind of touched on it because you talked about divine purpose. And I think when anyone mentions the universe... It, uh, it, uh, there's a reference there, isn't there, to a period in which one had to zoom out quite a lot in order to be able to perhaps put themselves back together again or figure out where they fit in and what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. So what was my answer? Divine purpose. <laughs> yeah, divine purpose. So I was like, well, well, first of all, what do you really mean, Alex? And also expand. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, what it means to me is is real real um biggest picture purpose reason for being here um kind of goal so we've spoken a lot about the goals the the career goals the steps that i'm working towards in all these different aspects but what is overarching all of those goals or what is fueling the 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 fire underneath to keep me going and i feel like getting in touch with what that divine purpose is is the um the the um the continuous energy to keep going forwards knowing what that is um it, it drives me forwards and keeps me centered into making the right decisions and going after the things which have meaning to me rather than shiny objects or or anything else along the journey so i think it's taken a while to understand that purpose and understanding that maybe in five years it might expand further or I understand it further or it changes completely, who knows. But feeling like I have a grip on that means that I now have a North Star, a direction for everything that I'm doing. And uh, I, think, I think that's important for a lot of people to, or everybody to get in their life, realizing that we're all here to help each other. We're all here to um to 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 love and to be to be one to not be um hating fearful or or against each other so if i can do my work that fuels that mission 
then I'm on the right path. And that was one thing I was going to ask about the divine element of it is what does the divine part mean? But it's like, it really feels as though it's like, well, what do I have that perhaps only I can bring to the world? And the world in this context is like my wider community. Is that is that the bigger picture of it? Um, um, what does it, what does divine mean to me? I guess, um, yes, the, the uniqueness of, of me and us all individually, but knowing deep down that we're all connected and one, whether we want to go down and, and call it, uh, God, the universe or spirit or, or whatever anybody's beliefs and labeling that they'd like to call it. But mm-hmm. thinking thinking about that, that's how I that's how I would describe in my definition of divine purposes is, is um my universal my universal mission beyond my life, but what 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 we're going through as a whole humanity and consciousness. And when you put the frame on our life and careers on that, and you realize that we are just a a blink of a moment in mm in our evolution um that can either just make you think well what's the point of life or it can make you or it can make you think well i want to have a real impactful story in here that leads our humanity in the right direction and um and often helps me and many other people i think um let go of all the the small things that don't really matter in life if you think about the the big picture that we're Mm. floating through space often i say to my wife when she's feeling low or, or overthinking like i i play her a song it's um it's i think david getter and and uh sia that we're floating through space she loves it i'm reminding you we're just floating through space and she's like oh yeah thank you alex, <laughs> I'm, gonna tell- <laughs> alex I'm gonna tell you a couple of things about women <laughs> that don't work <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to tell me <laughs> So, hey, if it works, it works. Um, um, I I am curious, though, are we going to see you on screen anytime soon in terms of in terms of films? Obviously, uh, listeners can go to the links in the show notes and they can see you see you on YouTube and Instagram. But are there any projects that might come to the screen and how do you think that's going to be? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, There's a there's a few things that are filmed that are um, small production company type of um productions that may well make it to either the big screen or a a tv at home and um i've got all really exciting auditions and and uh castings and self-tapes for for real tv stuff happening yeah and how is it going to feel um i've i've been to film premieres as an influencer before and as a as a guest before and i thought how would it feel to be walking down this red carpet with me in the movie and it's it's going to be that that next level peak moment that I'm going to enjoy for three minutes <laughs> before <laughs> the next stop. No, only joking. It's going to be it's going to be incredible. This I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Um, we have hurtled towards the end of our time together, and it's been such a pleasure to chat. I honestly, I feel like we could have done a full ninety minutes on just the first question alone. Um, and it was really interesting to hear your thoughts and insights. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask: Do you have a motto? Do you have anything that you find that you, whether you, whether it's a motto that you're like, yes, this is the Alex Crockford motto, or whether it's just something that you happen to find yourself saying to you, saying in your head maybe over and over again that's just come up over the years. Is there anything that um, that you say that you would like to share with listeners? 
Um, there isn't an Alex Crockford motto specifically, no. Um, on a side note, we're doing some uh, some branding work on the business to get some great taglines and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so there's no public-facing motto that I would put out there um, regularly, or if I have, it's changed quite a lot over time. Something I say to myself quite a lot, it maybe is more of a an affirmation motto thing that that calms me down is that um, everything's working out for me. Everything's everything's working out for me, um, and that just when things are going bad or very confusing or something negative is happening is just realizing that everything is working out. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for answering all of these questions. It's been really, really interesting. And uh, yeah, I found it really helpful, actually. I shall be taking some of that away with me. So thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you. It was a great conversation. And like you said, we could have continued on for a lot longer. So I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about you and learning from you next time. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Bye.